First pitch to Brandon Belt is smashed to right field. McKenna racing back. It's gone. First pitch long ball. Brandon Belt. The Blue Jays are up five to three. That's a batting practice fastball from Mike Bauman and for Belt his third home run in the last two games. Man, everybody's in their bag this morning. <laughs> Sandman mixing in the audio call. We got Shulman Squared on TV and radio. Yeah, I love it. And uh, by the way, uh, Shulman Jr. was not wrong there. Uh, that was middle, middle uh, that Bauman served up there. I like up that there. Ben took liberties on that call. I do. He yeah, should. I was like, that is an absolute slop fest right down the middle of the plate. Let me hit if it. You're not gonna what do a meatball. That, if you're not going to do that on a home radio broadcast of a team that has got beaten up by that team all year long, you're never going to do it. Way uh, to go. Great job by both uh, Shulman, Jess, Ben, and Dan. And Dan will uh, join us a little later on. Very, very happy to be joined by our first guest of the day, John Morosi, joining us now. John, how you doing? Always good getting you on. You doing well this morning? Doing outstanding. Brenda Daniele, uh, by the way, uh, we, we begin with some say it ain't so as we uh, we enter the, the the segment, but it would say it was so on that home run. So well well said there. A little bit of play on words with the, with the music, but I just wanted to say good morning. Yeah, everybody uh, everybody's doing well this morning, and uh, yeah, Brendan Brendan Belt did uh, did very very well uh, with that last night. Sometimes you just need that, right? Uh, that was cathartic for the Jays. They had the O's come into town roughly a month ago, and. I mean, beat them up. They took three or four, and the one the Jays took was, wasn't was very convincing. That was a playoff-style field game last night. I mean, I know there's not going to be a ghost runner on second, but guess what? Brandon Belt's hit would have won it for him regardless. Right. Uh, just, a, just a really important win for the Blue Jays to start off that series. At least that's how it felt to me. Massive, massive win. I think that uh, a statement win in a lot of ways when you consider just how the, the American League wildcard race is tightening and, and, to your point, the way in which – Baltimore has dominated the Jays during the course of the season. Uh, a great play by Bo late in the ball game, obviously, to, to save the game. And, and I think if, if you wanted to see the contributions, whether it was the bullpen being really sturdy, another very strong start, this is the kind of game that the Jays are going to have to win to secure an American League wildcard spot or, or maybe even more. We'll, we'll see how the, the next five-plus weeks go. But when you look at how, how tight the race is overall, the Mariners apparently uh, don't plan on losing any more games this season. And, and obviously now, uh, my goodness, the Seattle's was one game behind Texas for the division lead. So it, it's going to be, a, I think, a really frenetic finish. Uh, it's interesting. It's almost like we're, we're watching – two different races unfold at the same time in the AL West, and it's sort of there's a pivot point where it impacts the AL wildcard. I think at the end of the day, the Jays just have to keep playing quality baseball, and if they are playing good enough baseball to win this series and to keep continuing on as their schedule gets a little easier after this, this three-game set at Camden Yards, they're going to be just fine. And, and you know, we've, we've talked for a long time about, about the Jays trying to chase down the Mariners or vice versa, uh, it, it may not be Seattle that they're competing with ultimately for a, for a playoff spot. So I, I think the Jays just have to keep winning series, and if they continue playing quality baseball, I really believe they're going to be just fine. Yeah, they have to just focus on stacking those wins and getting into these. They they just have to avoid a big rut too. Don't don't fall into right. a situation where you're going to lose three or four in a row because then you're going to notice that you're going to definitely lose ground. So right now they have a, such an emotional win last night. They don't make up any ground, but at the same time, the race, as you pointed out, John, is incredibly tight. And who knows what it's going to look like? We're in the, we're in the the mode of it being a sprint right now. If we're in a, if this is a right. marathon season, we're down to the sprinting portion of it. The bullpen again last night for the Toronto Blue Jays was absolutely spectacular. Nails again. And Gunnar and I talked about it off the top of the show where we said the length of the bullpen, the depth that they now have, and the, the plethora of arms down there is sort of what won them that ball game because it felt like once Baltimore ran out of their high leverage guys, the Jays just had more and more to give. That was huge. Their bullpen has been incredible this year. And and is this, I mean, like how much of an advantage is it right now for this ball club to have that level of depth coming out of the back end of the bullpen? Well, it really is, I think, one of the more important ingredients for this Jays team. And to your point, Danielle, last night, five and one-third scoreless innings on just two hits and one walk. When you give up three base runners um, to the Baltimore Orioles over a span of five innings plus, that is outstanding pitching. And, and 
we talked about this yesterday a bit, uh, you know, this, the way that the Jays have played. They've got the fewest runs allowed of any team in, in the American League, any team in baseball, actually, since the All-Star break. They've pitched exceedingly well. And I think the bullpen's been a huge reason why. And, and you know, as, as much as maybe the front office was, was criticized for a, for a lack of impact in the, in the Paul DeYoung trade and how briefly he was set aside, the, the Hicks move is massive. And it's not just the one inning that he pitches last night. It's, it's what he allows John Schneider to do with the rest of his pen and, and how having Hicks there broadens the way that you can utilize everybody else. I think Meza has been so reliable for them. He picks up the win last night, an ERA for him of 1.03 on the year. He's, I think, one of the very best at what he does in, in Major League Baseball. And so this is, when you look at this Jays bullpen, it's been a long time. I'm just trying to think back on, on the, the, the last times the Jays have had a bullpen this reliable. And, you know, knock on wood there. But it's, this has been, I think, one of the more reliable Blue Jays pens that we've seen since their return to the postseason scene back in 2015. It's been that good. And uh, it's a bedrock of this team. And when you, when you add that, to another uh, another solid start. It wasn't a long start, but it was a solid one by Kikuchi. Um, this team is is really well situated to make a run here, and I, I love that last night we talk about you go back to last year and, and maybe where this team was short at times. There wasn't as much left-handed power, uh, and and there was that that missing that veteran at bat, and and there's Brandon Belt in a huge spot. I mean, I was I I've been covering baseball long enough to uh, to remember Brandon Belt hitting a uh, in an 18 inning postseason game, hitting a massive game winning home run for the Giants on the road, and uh, sort of a similar swing and circumstance, and uh, he that's what he does for you. And so I, I think the last night when you think about Hicks. You think about Belt, two guys that were not on the team last year coming up huge. Uh, I think it really shows that the front office, uh, I think, on measure, has done a pretty good job of, of addressing what this team has needed since, since the end of last season. Yeah, we, we know the new way to do it in baseball is to use your closer and whatever the whenever the first crucial high-leverage spot comes up late in the game. If that is the seventh inning and you need to get through it, the thing the Blue Jays have done wonderfully is they just went out and got a closer, and now they get to save their closer for the back end of the game, and Hicks is effectively the mid-game closer, if you want to phrase it that way. like It seems that's the way they go about it. You mentioned them throwing Mesa last night, and just to do a little compare and contrast between the Jays and the Orioles, and again, we've seen what the Orioles are capable of doing that the Blue Jays haven't proved this year in terms of their ability to put up huge amounts of runs in massive, massive numbers. But the pen depth last night was on complete display and not in the opposite way. You know, they go Cano and Batista and they get good outings out of both of them. Batista, they don't bring them out for the ninth. It's Bauman who comes in, whereas the Jays are throwing four or five relievers that they feel great about in that game. And it just, it really does just go to show. And again, I don't want to paper over what the Orioles have. There's a reason they're off to the, they have the record they have this year. But when you compare those two teams, it's just, it's night and day. Not, not the high end of the bullpen, but the depth that the Jays have compared to Baltimore. Well, exactly. And I think that what will be really interesting is, and, and who knows, maybe we'll have a chance to explore this in, in a couple months time. But if this is an American League Championship Series game, how long does Cano pitch? How long does Bautista pitch? Uh, do they extend them out a bit? I think in, in Brandon Hyde's case, he's got a seven-and-a-half game lead now in the, over the Jays in the AL East. And so I think he's going to be able to be a little more uh, a little more careful with how, how much he goes with his guys. That game meant more to the Jays than it did to the Orioles. I think that was an important point there to, to just – compare and contrast how they were utilizing their guys. But you're right. I mean, Bautista can go more than three outs, but last night there just wasn't maybe the, the same need for the Orioles to do it. But I'll be curious to see now that the second uh, and third games of the series, the Jays at least, based on the season performance, nominally have the, the pitching advantage in each of those two games as well. We know, obviously, it's the, the Orioles have not been swept since Rutschman made his debut. It's a very popular stat that's been mentioned, uh, I think, around baseball. So I think we'll see. We'll see how, how much urgency um, Baltimore has. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention on, on just the, the lineup balance, if I may, the it interested me last night that every single run, all 
so five of the uh, five of the runs were, were credited as, as RBIs. Uh, five of them were driven in by Jays left-handed batters, and we talked so much about the left-right imbalance. They were all driven in by Belt, Varsho, and Kiermaier, and I, I think those are all obviously names that were not on the team last year. And it just that was a nice, tidy storyline for how different this lineup is than it was a year ago. You have some left-handed presence there, and with a healthy bow, it just it lends a lot more, I think, in terms of offensive output. And I'm just, I'm really excited about this team's upside because they, they seem to be hitting their stride at the right time of year. And, and that was a massive win in game one of a crucial series against the O's. The importance of that game and the series, I think, as a whole is tenfold for the Blue Jays compared to the Orioles, just given where they are right now. And also, Toronto coming in, I mean, with that win last night, they improved the 3-8 and eight against the O's this season. But we, we know it's been well documented how they've struggled against AL East opponents, and in particular the Baltimore Orioles, who have kind of big-brothered them a little bit at times and made it feel like, oh, yeah, we've completely usurped you in, in, in this current competitive cycle. One guy I did want to highlight, John, I'm so glad you mentioned the left-handed bats, but Dalton Varsho, and and he's been on a bit of a heater as of late, and he's objectively had a really challenging year, but batting 391 over his last seven games, three homers, 10 RBI, if we even go larger sample size, almost 300 over his last 15 games. To have that bat be just even competent, to have him be a, a contributor in that lineup on a day-to-day basis. What does that do for this offense to, to maybe even jumpstart it further? Because they've obviously had their fair share of struggles in that department. Well, you're right. And I think Varsho, uh, obviously it's been a tough first year for him in Toronto. He's wanted so badly to contribute. He's such a great guy. I've known him for a number of years now. Amazing family. And I think that was he trying too hard? Was he uh, trying to adjust too much with his uh, with the the approach that works so well for him in Arizona? It's natural. It's normal to to struggle in the first half of your first season in a new place. And I think since the break, it's been more of what the Jays expected. I think last night's game is a very strong example of how often, when you're batting sixth, something about that spot in the lineup, uh, especially now that he's uh, there as a great lefty presence there after Springer, something about that spot in the lineup that seems to come up with with men in scoring position, two out maybe, and this is where you get your add-on runs and your crucial RBI. It's not always the, the second, third, or fourth spot. It's, it's a little bit lower in the lineup. And I think that it's a really good spot for him to bat sixth. And I, I credit John Schneider for being creative and finding the right path for him to, to contribute. And I, I just think that that is the right spot for him. If he's able to have at-bats like he had last night, he's going to pick up some key RBIs. And that, that I think, it seems as though the message about the kind of at-bat that the Jays need from Varsho is, is now getting through. It's exactly what happened last night. He doesn't have to, to, to put a 1,000 OPS out there. They've got Bo that's basically doing that already. He just has to pick up some key RBIs. That's really it. And play what is, in my view, a pretty athletic brand of baseball. Good defender, run the bases well, uh, occasional power. Just good at-bats. And I think the more that he simplifies his game, the better off he's going to be. And we've seen that the last couple weeks. I'm I'm thrilled for him because I know how badly he's wanted to succeed. And I I think he's going to be in that group of guys who are the most important players on the Jays roster in determining if this team ultimately makes the playoffs, which I still think they have a really great chance to do it. The pitching's been solid. And if you start picking up RBIs with with guys like Belt and Varsho, that's exactly the vision that this front office had last offseason. Yeah, it certainly is there. I uh, wanted to ask you about uh, probably one of the bigger stories in Major League Baseball, one that I think is already having some implications on the AL wildcard. Wander Franco placed on the administrative list. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is he can stay on that for seven days. And then as long as the Players Association and he agree, that can be extended beyond that. Uh, do you have any update for us on Franco? Any idea of when the investigation may come to a head or a timeline for this at all, John? I don't, to be honest with you, and I don't think anybody really does in terms of what what the the timeline is and how how detailed uh, this could get and how long it could go. I think there's a lot of unknowns right now. Um, and but to your point, when when there are investigations going on by MLB's Department of, of Investigations, 
typically th- that that administrative leave can be renewed on a week-to-week basis. And uh, we've seen that in the past, to your point, where MLB and the union, uh, based on where an investigation is, uh, that they're able to make that determination based on uh, based on the information that exists at that time. But I, I don't have the specifics of the investigation. I'm sure uh, they're being kept very, very confidentially based on just the, the nature of the investigation and, and, and the serious allegations that are put forward. So I think that we, we, we all in, in the who follow the game have to realize this is much more important than, than baseball to, to have this investigation go through its course. And I think in, in the meantime, the Rays, uh, they have no choice but to, but to have their, their club without them for now and, and then wait to see what happens. But it's, a, it's obviously a very concerning situation, to your point. Uh, and, uh, but the, from a baseball perspective, there's just not a lot that we know. And, and we have seen in other cases where, where there are serious investigations that can take weeks, months. Uh, there, there is really no, there is no date certain here. So this is, uh, we are in, in, in many ways, unknown territory in terms of when and uh, when, whenever he might be able to get back on the field. Yeah, and like, like you said, the investigation is obviously far and away the most important part of this, but from a baseball perspective, I mean, if we were sitting here doing a power rankings draft for guys that would have the biggest impact, if you just take them out of the AL wildcard race, feels like a top 10 selection for me. I don't know. Maybe those guys are all pitchers, but you understand what I'm saying. Like that is a, just such a massive piece to remove from the puzzle. I know the Rays have fallen from the lead they have in the division, but I've been kind of surprised that they've been able to keep their head afloat without him quite, quite honestly. Well, from a, from a baseball perspective, just on the field, they, they do have some organizational depth in, in the middle infield position. Um, and, and they're, they're able to, to, to get by in this circumstance. They've had a tremendous amount of injuries already to their pitching staff. Uh, it obviously goes without saying that, that they've built a lot of their decision-making around Franco. They, they signed under this massive extension, which especially for a team on that budget is a, is a really big expenditure. And, and, and when you allocate that much of your payroll to a player who is now not there, and we don't know if or when he's going to come back this season. Uh, it is a uh, it's a major issue for them to deal with. Uh, obviously, there's far more important considerations here than than that. But from a baseball perspective, it is a, a pretty significant impediment to the way that they are trying to build their team and and compete in what's been a, a very very difficult American League East this season. Sticking in the American League East, John, the the New York Yankees. Boy, oh boy, it's 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 tough to be a Yankees fan these days. The gift that keeps on giving to the rest of us. For, for the rest of us, right. yes. But in the Bronx, it's been a, certainly a challenging year for them. And they've now lost nine straight, longest losing streak since 1982, which is crazy. It's 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 <laughs> remarkably like I mean, and I saw this crazy stat too, and I just wanted to I'll mention it here. But there are two guys that are active across Major League Baseball that were even alive. In 1982, Justin Verlander and Rich Hill were the only two guys that are still left that were even alive when the Yankees last lost nine in a row. And the other thing that was a part of this, they get swept by the Red Sox over the weekend. That's got to sting because obviously it's a, it's a longtime rival. But I'm, I'm wondering, as we project forward with this team, what does the offseason look like? What do they try to do to retool this roster? And does that even include Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone still being at the helm of this of this franchise? Well, it's, it, these are really important questions. And I think that the longer this goes the the less that we know for sure about what the front office looks like and what the leadership group looks like of the New York Yankees. Um, to your point, we have not seen a Yankee team struggle like this in in forty plus years. <laughs> That's so. Uh, we have not seen this this ownership group in terms of Hal Steinbrenner um, handling this something of this scope and magnitude ever. And and so I the longer this goes the less that anybody knows, for sure, in terms of who, who's going to be around, what it looks like. They need, so to, take, to make the obvious statement, they've had a lot of issues with their pitching this year. And so you might say, well, okay, you got to go out there and sign uh, the biggest free agent at that position. Well, they tried that last offseason in Rodon, and it's been a, a disaster in, in year one. Um, so it's, they're stuck. Do they make a big play for Yoshinobu Yamamoto from Japan? Maybe. Maybe that's one, one path that they have. Um, I think that he's, he's a good name to watch. Uh, Michael Lorenzen is a good name to watch. Aaron Noel is a good name to watch. They're all, they're all great names to watch, but at, at some point, 
what the Yankees have to deal with is an apparent lack of depth. And when you have injuries that come up and you don't have a, a strong and productive group of guys ready to come up from AAA, you're, there's, a, there's a hole in your organization. And that's what, they're, that's what they've got right now. You know, teams that have success, I think, are those that have optionable depth, a group of guys ready to come in and step in. You know, it's not unique. You know, injuries are not unique. And I'm always reluctant to ever explain things by saying, oh, well, they've had injuries and Cortez has been hurt and, and, and Rodon's been hurt and, and Severino's struggled. Herman's not there. Yeah, I, there's a lot. Of, they've had a lot of adversity. But look at the Dodgers. Urias has been on the IL. Gonsolin's on the IL. Kershaw's been on the IL at different times this year. Bueller hasn't even pitched yet this season. And where are they? Oh yeah, first place, like they always are, because they've got an amazing organization. <laughs> and so that that's that's what the that's what the Yankees are not. The Yankees are not the Dodgers. They are not similar budget completely different organizational structure. And and we just saw the White Sox let go of their uh, front office yesterday and Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. There there are some best practices out there of teams that do it really well. The Dodgers do, the Braves do, the the Orioles are starting to do it. There's not it's out there. Look at the Guardians with with all their young pitching. They're you know they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. Look how many young impactful guys that they've had get up to the major leagues this season. You know, Williams and Bybee. I mean they've got an amazing group. The Yankees do not have that. And and until they get it, they're going to be stuck in this middle ground of being a decent team, but not a very good one. And I think as a result. Um, if there are changes to the front office there, I don't think anybody could be surprised because of how profound their their struggles are right now. can't believe we had a conversation about uh, how the Yankees can fix their problems and we didn't just say go give Shohei Otani like $700 million. <laughs> what a world we live in and now. And, and, so, and, and to, uh, a short answer there, he's, he's going to go wherever he believes. If, if he's going to leave the Angels and maybe they find a way to keep him just because he's comfortable there and, and they've, they've done a good job, I think, of, uh, of trying to at least put their best foot forward this year if he's going to leave there he's not going to go to a team that looks around and says wow i see some dysfunction here that's whether it's the mets the yankees no thanks and no thanks he's been there done that in terms of being on a team that spends a bunch of money and doesn't win he has been there and done that that's where the dodgers to me sometimes the the obvious answer is the right one if he wants to win and go with a team that that has a solid foundation and a couple Hall of Fame players that are very unselfish in, in Mookie and Freddie, that's it. That's where he should go. Uh, but New York right now is not the place. I mean, like I've got a lot of friends there. I'm there a lot. It's amazing how they're like how Yankee fans tell me, yeah, at least we're not the Mets. And Mets fans tell me, yeah, at least we're not the Yankees. So, so which tells you that neither one of them is really in a good position right now. Uh, John, I wanted to let you go, but I did want to sneak this in. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you were in Williamsport for the Little League World Series. That looked like an incredible day. The guys are using funny bats. Harper's got his Fanatics bat. There was a crayon one. There was a pencil one. Guys are having fun with the kids there. These one-off moments are always, in my opinion, for everyone who's there. And if anyone else manages to take anything away from it, great. That looked incredible to me. Uh, Can you just talk about your experience there for a second? Yeah, I love it. Uh, So that, that was my sixth time there. I've been, I'm fortunate to have been at every Little League Classic uh, since they began back in 2017. And it's one of my favorite days of the whole year. Actually, I brought my family for the second straight time. Awesome. Uh, I, my daughters got me to slide down the hill, which was pretty fun. Uh, so I, I, I slid down on some cardboard, and remarkably, uh, both of my ACLs were still intact and feel pretty good. <laughs> so that was good. I was a little nervous. Uh, but uh, it just, it really is... I've described it as it's like a uh, it's almost like for your baseball soul it's a real spiritual place to go because your your passion for the game is revived you realize you know why we all got into this in the first place uh, you got into it because you, you love summer you love being a kid uh, like the time of year is special because you know that that whenever this tournament ends all those kids that are playing in the tournament uh, they go back home and go to school. And so it's like that. It's like the the old adage when you're a kid and you just don't want to come in for dinner. It's like you want to you want to keep playing. Uh, 
And that's exactly what that is. You just want to keep playing. And so uh, you want summer to keep going, and, and that's exactly what the mentality is there. So Williamsport's a very special place. Uh, it was great. I saw Rob Thompson there uh, on the day of the, the, the game there on Sunday. And, Rob, you know, the, the Phillies were, were around the, the Little League complex, which is separate from where the game happens. The game happens at Bowman Field, which is on the west side of town, and the Little League complex is on the south side of town. So you're, it's a few miles apart. It's very, very close but they're in different parts of town. And so I could tell Rob was there where the Phillies came and visited the Little League complex. He wanted to get as much time as possible and spend with the Canadian parents. So Rob was yeah. over there talking to the parents from Regina while Regina was playing against Mexico. So Rob gets it. Of course, a great resident of Stratford and thinks so highly of Rob. So he just did a great job of being an ambassador for Canadian baseball. And I just I thought you guys like hearing that. He's just, he, knows, he knows the power of being in there and I just I really admire Rob Thompson a lot I am wearing a hat with a big Canadian <laughs> maple leaf on my head right now John so I hey, love that that could not be, hit me more perfectly my kid just started t-ball this year so it's all hitting me in the feels right now uh and also lastly I will actually let you go after this we can only handle one baseball insider on the IL uh pass and broke his back could not have you with the uh the Achilles <laughs> getting torn so I'm thrilled you're healthy yeah. thank you so much for joining us John I, I, Appreciate it. I send my continued best wishes, uh, best wishes to Jeff to, to get him. I, I know he's uh, he's on the mend, doing well, but uh, but yeah, I was I, I was concerned for him there, and I was glad that he's feeling better. So awesome. thank you. Awesome. Take care. Uh, go enjoy All the, the rest of your thank day. Thank you, John. John Barosi, uh, ball of sunshine yeah, in, our, in our day. Always loved, yeah. loved, loved that. I feel like I was going <laughs> to ask the Williamsport uh, Williamsport question regardless, but after we spend about eight minutes talking about Wander Franco. I need something positive yeah, in my sure. life again. Definitely. And we'd already talked about the Jays, so I couldn't just say, you just say one nice thing about Romano, so I figured that no, was, was the uh, the little positive ending we needed there. That's No, that's cool. That's a highlight for sure. And I remember, I will say, growing up, uh, I always loved turning on the TV and Love seeing it. the Little League World Series on. That was always so cool and fun to me because, A, you'd be like, oh, those are kids my age are relatively awesome, close, I right? Know. It was so cool. And I love the Rob Th- Thompson little tidbit yeah. There, because always, whenever he can wave the flag, that's great. We've had this debate ongoing on this show. It is 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 he Sarnia? Is he? Well, I think John. I Stratford. am going to. I is am, he or I think oh, this is the hip answer. Oh. And this is would be right up Alish's alley. This is the, the a little, Hamlet somewhere. It's a Hamlet. It's Corona, Ontario. Okay, so my I'm pretty sure it's that's Corona. What it is. It's Corona. Is it? My wife uh, has family from all around that area, Sarnia. So if it is. Corona, Corona, I'm sure I am butchering one of them. Shout out to that Hamlet. My wife knows people there. So I feel like I actually, for once have more bona fides on this than the person who's normally in this chair, Ailish. Yes, I, we, I remember this vividly because last year when they made their run to the World Series, this was a raging debate on the show. Yeah. Segments and, and discussions I was gonna, were had. I was going to hammer Sarnia because I have the vague <laughs> connection there, but I have an even vaguer one to Corona or Corona. My wife's going to yell at me about this when I go home today. I'm pretty sure it's Corona. Okay. I could be wrong, I, but I'm pretty sure. I, well, I am wrong because I've said both five times it's in okay, the last two seconds. It's okay, but you're covering your bases. I am covering my bases. You're making sure you're covering covering all angles here and not right. getting in trouble. I really am. Uh, also, I know we're going to do Chew. Get one second for that. Uh, you're continuing to bring up the Yankees struggles to any non-specifically Blue Jays person. Don't ever stop, at least as long <laughs> as I'm here. I remember back to the beginning of the season when all of the uh, all of your like uh, gabagool monsters in the Bronx there, they were all all over. They were full-blown oh, Anthony okay. Volpe hype. Yes. Of, oh, jeez, yeah. baby. And Vol- hey. They pronounce it Volpe. Okay. I mean, okay, whatever. You have opinions on this, I do I'm have sure. opinions on on that too. He's got yes. 17 bombs this year. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, 215, 293, 395 is the slash line for him. Not he's, what you want. He's a rookie. Yeah. What like? Okay. If we're <laughs> if, being... if they if they didn't do this to him, I would never bring up Anthony Volpe yeah. struggling. I would never no, have I'm... talked about this. But I had to hear that this was the second coming of Jeets. Yes. Who, who was also super overrated, by the way. Oh. That I don't need. To, okay, I, I don't need to have far, this but... in my life. Okay. Okay. I won't go that you far. But you of course I. I'm not going to co-sign you on Cheater being overrated. He was. One of the best plays of his career might have not actually been legit, but I, I won't. I mean, that we never had. We didn't have instant replay at that point in the day in, in, in baseball history. So what can you do? Here's okay. The Yankees thing is super fascinating. It's great because everybody can prance all over their grave yes, right now and just awesome. be like, oh, this is fantastic. I remember vividly. 
a year ago in the summer at this time, the conversations in New York, you want to know what the topic was routinely in the dead Give it heat of summer? It was, were, were the 2022 Yankees better than the 27 Seven. Yankees? <laughs> and now, a year later, a year later, that same roster, pretty much unchanged, right? Relatively unchanged. Now they're sitting here saying, oh my God, we got to tear it down. We got to tear it down. I just think... It must be so electric to be on on New York sports radio mm-hmm. right now because the Mets suck, the Yankees suck, and yes, you have the you know the impending excitement surrounding the Jets and what have you. But it must be so interesting. The polar opposite, how quickly it changed a three hundred and sixty five degree turn compared to where they were last year to where they are this year. And I said it, I will, I have to, I will pat myself on the back a little bit, especially judge got hurt in LA. He hit his toe and all that nonsense. And I remember saying from April, look at that lineup, everything minus judge is awful. They're not that great of a baseball team. And sure enough came to fruition and, and throwing money at your problems in real life or in baseball is not always going to work. Mm-hmm. Yankees are a prime example of that. I'm glad John pointed out, especially, and I firmly believe this with, with baseball, especially if you can't replenish your system, Have to you it. are in trouble. You need to replenish with quality guys that can step up and be valuable contributors to your major league team. The Yankees have struggled to do that. The guys that they thought could be those, those kind of players haven't panned out. And now, they find themselves in a really, really tough position. I'm just looking back to last year's uh, Yankees team. Joey Gallo, uh, that was a big point of consternation uh, from from him. Uh, Matt Carpenter hitting 15 bombs in 47 games for that team last year, and we thought that was sustainable. It was not. not it most certainly nope. was, was not. Nope. Uh, that was awesome. Love you bringing that up. Please, please don't ever <laughs> stop. It is now time for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Tampa Bay Lightning gave us some hockey yeah. news, baby. Give me the applause for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. First time I've ever asked for that. Wow. I, did, I don't surprised. even, I have to look. I you don't just think, defied Leafs Nation. I know. No, no, it's fine. No, you didn't? We beat them. It's over. It's done. Is it dead They're on the back nine. Yeah, but uh, I mean, who knows? I do. You, I oh, do. You're, you're fully. They're not, I'm not pouring dirt on Tampa that they're dead and gone forever, but this is the descending part of Tampa oh, Bay's sure. curve. Like Vasilevsky, you saw it. He could turn it on, yeah. but it also can turn off all on its own. Victor Hedman just had a tough injury, and we don't know how guys bounce back from that. Steven Stamkos, older than you think. Definitely. Only one year left on that contract mm-hmm. as well. Now, he's probably going to do the Bergeron and just one year, whatever you need to fit me in. I've made my money, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, let's, uh, you know, like I'm, it's not... No longer okay. the big brother anymore. Got past him. Fair Johnny, enough. Johnny, Johnny Tavano. He did it. <laughs> Demon's exercise. Yes. Yeah, uh, Brandon, Brandon Hagel signing eight years times $6.5 million. I don't know about you. My first thought, even though these two guys should <laughs> never be mentioned in the same breath, went to, hmm, what does that mean for William Neiman? Yes, yeah, so did I. I had the, oh my goodness. And that and, and I had this thought. Can the Leafs just not do something with one of those two guys, something. Nylander or Matthews, right now? Can we not get some clarity? It's August the 23rd, and we still don't have any sense of clarity. All we have is this looming air of confidence that Matthews has a deal that is tucked away or that it's sort of... Maybe. 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 But but there's this... this Leafs Nation has been really good. They've been really good, I have to admit. I, publicly, we've behaved ourselves, but yes. the, the group chats are are getting antsy. Well, and it should be because I, I I will say this too. So I see this Hagel deal. You go on Twitter and you go on the or X, whatever we want to call We're it. We're calling it Twitter. We look at the explore page, yeah. right? And Matthews was trending. I go, oh my goodness! What happened? What happened? I click Nothing. it. You want to know what it was? You want to know what it was? It was a clip from like 2017 of Clay Matthews mic'd up with Cam Newton when Cam <laughs> pointing at him and like, Clay, oh, you watch oh, film. You watch film? That, you watch that this clip too. That is a was great trending clip, for some bizarre reason. Because it's an awesome clip. It should trend every time it's No, it's there. fantastic. It's so but I was just, of all the days I know. where there's a contract and there's news, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we need to uproot the show. We have to change it all. Austin Matthews and nothing. But that was where my thought went immediately. It's a subtle reminder that it's August the 23rd and we have... No news about Matthews and Nylander. And I will and let me admit, Gunner, Nylander, I honestly could probably care less about. Mm-hmm. If he plays out the final year of his deal, I have no issue with that. Yep. And I've laid out my reasons as to mm-hmm. why I think that's okay. But Austin Matthews, there's gotta be something. There has to be something here. There, here's what it here's what's here. 
there is a, in my opinion, a hard, if, if the theory that we all believe is that Austin Matthews is being a good sport, I mean, again, people will roll their eyes at that because he's going to get like three times 13 and a half million or something. But if he is agreed, but is going to play ball with the Leafs and say, okay, I'm not going to put that number out there because you think it's going to help squeeze Willie. Boy, oh boy, I don't want to know what that does to team dynamics, but let's just park that one for right now. Let's say he does do that. (laughs) It is all with the caveat. I would imagine that I'm not playing along with this charade into camp. He can go hide in the desert or wherever he is right now, and this is all well and good. But the second there are mics, and I don't mean in front of anybody else's face, Brad Treliving can show up to Traverse City for the Leafs prospect tournament that will open before camp opens and get asked about this, and he can have a good poker face or he can take the heat of the questions. But I guarantee you the whole reason Austin Matthews is going to – what did he do at the very start of camp last year? I'm going to talk about this once and never talk about it again. I imagine that the deadline, now the Leafs haven't put out their training camp start date yet. If you look around the league, the 21st is a pretty common start date for training camps, including for teams that are also in the prospect tournament that the Leafs are playing in. So that's why I'm kind of circling that. A month from tomorrow is September 21st. So I, as crazy as it's driving us all, I think less we all than a month, Gunnar. I think, is it four weeks to the day? Less than, well, 23rd well, today. 24th, I'm doing the four weeks thing. If you oh, count okay. four Thursdays. Yes, no, okay, fair if enough. Four, yeah. If you count four Thursdays yep. from tomorrow, be a month until the September 21st. And then you're looking at a guy that he either doesn't have a contract and then it is going to be a big thing. And I think that that is an inflection point for him because he could do it last year where he says, look, I can't, even if I wanted to, even if I wanted to commit for eight years, I can't do it until July 1st, so don't talk to me about it. He can't do the don't talk to me about it when it's possible to put pen to paper now. So I think we're just going to have to, uh, I don't like it. I would I would love, one, to talk about it right now before <laughs> the NFL season comes upon us content-wise. I would very much like it right now. But I think we all need to get comfortable with the idea that that is almost certainly going to come out on the 20th or the 19th or something along those lines. And if it doesn't, then it is full-blown panic mode. If there is not a Matthews contract and camp starts and he's getting asked questions about it, then I do think the Leafs have, I won't say misplayed their hand because I think much like much like with Shohei Otani, until you can't re-sign that guy, there's no way you should ever give up on re-signing that guy. But that would be a massive inflection point where I go from this is all fine to this is kind of a 10 out of 10 panic for me personally. Agreed. No, no, I agree. I would say definitely the cutoff is when day one rolls around and they do their you know media circuit and these guys have to stand up in front of a microphone and speak. At that point, he better have a deal. Or we might get one of two situations. Either he's going to have to field questions about not having a deal in place and why that is a reality given especially what he said at the end of the season after they they got eliminated in the second round, which was, I'd like to be here. He made it pretty definitive and clear, which was encouraging to so many people. And I think it's part of the reason why fans are have been relatively well-behaved because there's this notion that he he actually, we're, we're finally convinced he wants to be here. Mm-hmm. And that's all we've really wanted to hear for a long time out of his mouth is say, yes, this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But unless we have a deal by the time they step set foot in front of that microphone, then it comes, as you put it, full-blown panic. There's there's real consternation that needs, should be had. And there's also this option, uh, which I think would be really bad, is he doesn't report right away until oh. the deal is done. And if you recall, I mean, the Marner thing, I can't remember if it ever got to that point where he missed time or was arrived late. Yeah, but he, it was weird. It was I do weird. remember that. He signed, it was very similar right it was before. It the 22nd was it the was, day his deal got done. It was right there. Like, it, it, that's, unfortunately, I think that's the ballpark we're playing in right now is is determining that. My other thing, takeaway and you imagine his flight just got delayed and he actually, it's like, Guys, the bird is in the air. He's going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> we would not be buying it. There is nothing they could tell us yeah, that would have us living. buying that. Yeah, Austin's not here yet, but, uh, you know, his flight got We've delayed. We've all been there. He was on, he was on a beach. Yeah. And as somebody put it, he probably was on a beach. He was, he's on a beach. He's coming back. Don't oh. worry. It's going to be fine. Uh, it's all good. No, no. I talked to Judd. It's no, okay. But the last thing I had, <laughs> even with the, the Hagel deal, it's another eight-year deal. Mm-hmm. It's another eight-year contract that is signed. 
And for the Leafs to be in a position where if, and we all believe this, I mean, I'd be shocked if Matthews is signing one of those deals, but it is somewhat sad and concerning and unfortunate that he is not in a position where we're going to see that happen because you'd want to lock him up and have him there as part Mm -hmm. of your, as the face of your franchise for a prolonged period of time. But the way that these contracts have been structured and signed in previous iterations is what has set the precedent for this moment, which is you said three years, but I, so I wouldn't be shocked if it's three years. I wouldn't be shocked if it's five, but I think three is probably the most likely spot. And that does not even put the Leafs in a position where you feel overly confident because you're on the clock again. Austin Matthews has made it abundantly clear. He is never going to be on a best contracts in the NHL list. It's never going to happen. And you see no this, chance. you see this and that a lot of times people would say, yeah, obviously when you're paying a guy 12, no, Look at what happened with Crosby. Look at what has happened with McDavid as his contract is aged. He was the highest paid player in the league by 2 million bucks when he signed that deal. And now McKinnon's eclipsed him. So the, the back end value, the lease will just never get out of it. And Hey, if he's good enough to prove it, and I think he's good enough that I am not Mr. They can't win with them guy. I think they very much can win with him as their number one center. He's an MVP guy. He's a 60 goal guy, but you're never going to have the surplus value that you should be able to get from those guys on a long-term deal. And it's going to continue to frustrate us at a certain point in time. Something's going to have to give either a leaf is going to have to sign one of these yep. deals. And I mean, a leaf of consequence, shout out Morgan Riley. He pretty much <laughs> did that. And we don't give he him did. any credit he for did. it, but because he is, let's just be fair about what Riley is. I love Morgan Riley. Go listen to literally any episode of Leafs nation. Gord Stelic and I have done. It should be called. We love Morgan but <laughs> he's not on the echelon in the league that Marner That's and Matthews are at. Yeah. He's just not, or, and I know other fan bases aren't going to want to hear this. I'm going to need somebody else to take a three-year deal. There's been talk of maybe Pedersen is that guy in Vancouver. Maybe that's the way he wants. Fine. I need to stop me from going insane. I either need, and unfortunately it's going to come down to Marner because I can't see it happening with Nylander or Matthews. I need that guy to take at least six. Can you give me six? I have zero confidence. That's zero, confidence zero confidence. Because he's going to say, well, how much different am I? And we're going to say... He's got Paul and Darren Ferris in his corner. I know. It's My not happening. My goodness. It's not happening. That's it's not, not going to happen. All right. There we go. Hot little leaf slab. That was great. In the middle of August. That was awesome. Late August. Uh, we'll be having more of that over the next two days, I'm sure, <laughs> when Sam McKee uh, gets gets in here with me. Halfway through Fan Morning Show. Keep on listening on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Might mess around and do a wake and rake later. If you want to get some submissions in, 590-590, please include your name and location. Just just thought I'd throw that out there. Maybe. Our man, Eric in Burlington, he's been all over he's it been this all weekend. Over. I don't has. know what happened to Neil, the tennis guy. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. What, what happened? Where Free my, tennis picks every day where, for Ailish and Justin. Yeah, they where, loved it. Where are my tennis picks at, Neil? Come on, Neil. Hit me up, 590, 590. Or, you know, this is, this. we won't feature this in the Wake and Rake, but for me personally, if you got any picks for Eastlake uh, for the Tour Championship mm-hmm. this week, I would love that. Uh, it gets going tomorrow. We got a couple of Canadians in the mix there, Nick Taylor and Corey Connors, of course, uh, on the LPGA Tour, the CP Casey Women's Open out in Shaughnessy. Uh, I'll be talking to my man, Adam Stanley, who's out there on the golf show on Friday, and Sammy and I will have the golf show for you. Uh, basically, just an extended morning show with the golf show tacked yep. on the end on Friday there. So uh, all the programming tied up. I was going to ask you about this in the break, but I thought it better to do here. I love being surprised. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What does Steph Curry pulling a LeBron question mark mean? Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I got to ask Josh if we have this clip still from yesterday. Oh, okay. Because I do want to do do this. Okay. Josh is going to do some digging and and find this. Okay. So Steph Curry was a guest on Gilbert Arenas' podcast. Mm. You know, and Gilbert is, you know, I mean... Every single guy who's dribbled a basketball in his life have a pod now. It's, it, I mean, there's a lot of it out there, but yet they're. I'm so, not complaining. I love Gunner, it. Yet they're so inaccessible. Trust me, I know it from I, experience. I, I would okay? imagine. <laughs> from experience, Let me tell you. Something. I can tell you. And you're very right. good at this, but you asking somebody to come on and Paul George are very different. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. I'm I'm well aware okay. of that. Okay. All right. And so, anyway, that's that's you know that's something to to, to you know. God, you touched the nerve. Let's put a pin in that. Yeah, let's put a pin in it. You touched the nerve there. Um, so Steph Curry's on 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 a podcast with with Gilbert Arenas, and 
you know, basically there's a question that is posed. Okay. And if we have, do we have the clip, Josh? Yes, we have this clip. Okay, excellent. Let's roll this. So you'll hear the question that is asked and you will get Steph Curry's response. Here you go. Are you the best point guard ever? Yes. I have to, yes. Is me and Magic? Is that the, the conversation? Yeah. Obviously, I have to answer it that way, but I really feel like, to your point, like Magic's resume is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. all right, so the fact that we're even having that conversation is a, is, that's a, <laughs> it's a place I never thought I'd be in. But the fact that, to your point, of like how you grade it in the whole conversation, that's why we have the conversations, because mm-hmm. it's fun and it's. Yeah. Is you know measuring errors against each other, and I love that's what basketball, that's what sports is all about. That's why people watch. That's why people get you know in heated debates about it. I love it. So you put me on my own team. Yeah, I'm gonna rep myself for sure. Okay, so this is this is why I I I always I appreciate it. I appreciate Steph's greatness, mm-hmm. but I just don't want him to say it himself. Okay, and I want to say. Michael Jordan, I think, I will always say, I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time and has had just a, a, a such a massive impact on the sport that it's it's hard to ignore. And, but yet we've, and as cocky, as arrogant as Michael Jordan can be, mm-hmm. never once has that guy sat there and said, yes, I am the, I, know, he I am to. the go Exactly. Okay, you do not need to reinforce it yourself. LeBron James, this is where he's pulled a LeBron stuff here. Yeah, that's where I disagree with LeBron you. LeBron does finish. it all the damn time. Because he needs to. He do, No, but see, you don't. Because even whether you're number one or number two, we all know you're one of the best ever. You're, you're, you're the best of this generation, okay? And if anybody suggests otherwise, they're stupid. They're wrong. Because yeah, but you he are. had to listen to a lot of people be stupid and wrong and be like, oh, I don't even think he's better than Kobe. I, he had to hear so much of that that I will never, ever get up I, LeBron for taking up his case of Jordan. I will never, ever have a problem with this. I just I think humility is lost in that sport more than all the other sports combined. Basketball, oh, I mean, humility yes. is lost. And I never expected Steph Curry to be that guy. Okay, I never did. Now, if we want to legitimately just have this conversation mm-hmm. or briefly have this argument and, and debate it out, he probably is, you know, he's certainly, I, I would argue, I think Magic's number one based on how he revolutionized the position and, and the size that he brought to that position, the passing, ability, all this stuff. I think he's the greatest point guard of all time. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry is the most, maybe the most influential point guard of I'll all hear time. That. Okay, because... You can go into any gym across this wonderful yep. city of Toronto or anywhere in North America or around the world, and you can see a kid that is five foot six mm-hmm. and can try to mimic or emulate Steph Curry. You can't do that for Magic Johnson. There are certain players you'll never you can't do that for LeBron no. unless you're six foot eight. Okay. Yep. So Steph's impact globally is bigger than I think a lot of people recognize and, and people acknowledge it, but it's truly maybe the biggest for that particular position. Here's where I also I have a quibble with the actual point guard connotation, sure. of it, the distinction. The position has evolved, and it means different things. Steph Curry, by definition, shooting guard. Yes, he's not he's not necessarily just a point guard. He's a combo guard. He's a remarkable player. He's electric. There's yep. no doubt about that. One of my favorite players growing up was Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and he and I appreciate his greatness for what he did in terms of shooting the basketball, how he's changed the game. But if we're like. If we're really being honest, and I had this conversation with Mike uh, at some point during the basketball season where I said, if you think about it, uh, there's one, aside from Chris Paul, because I think Chris Paul has done a lot for that position too. Aside from Chris Paul in today's NBA, there's one guy, there's one true point guard that is left. The last vestige of a real, real, true bona fide point guard. His name is Jalen Brunson, mm-hmm. a guy that actually runs the show, runs an offense, and, and, and it fits perfectly because it's Tom Thibodeau and yeah. he wants that. But beyond that, there's nothing. The position has changed. And so for Steph Curry, I didn't like that he need felt the need. He's asked the question. He answered it. I get it. But I think I would have certainly preferred. It, it, it just, it, it, it made me feel like, I was like, Steph, you didn't need to do that. It was unnecessary. You didn't need to, to go that route. Everybody's doing it right now. I get it. But I just felt like it, it's the low-hanging fruit and you didn't need to to do that it bothered me it really did yeah i think the thing that's that i feel differently about this with and i realize i'm just i am incredibly defensive about lebron is that he will 
Curry will have the thing to hang his hat on as always the greatest shooter now in mm-hmm. NBA history. Like, that's what he's going to be until some other guy comes along 30 years from now, and then he'll be going, I guess Curry was pretty good, <laughs> but I'm going to say I like myself. <laughs> Maybe it's Grady Dick. Yeah, Who knows? Say, but, funny okay. enough. Yeah, okay, Grady Dick. but that for that reason, I think it's less of a thing that Curry has to puff his chest out about point guard status because he's always going to be looked at that way. LeBron had nothing else he could be measured as other than, are you Jordan? It was never going to be good enough to own this era because Mm -hmm. from the second he arrived, he kind of owned it. Like, go look at that first half. He had against the Kings. Like, that is why I think LeBron has to be, and maybe you think he doesn't have to be, and that's just a personal difference of opinion, but that is why I think he is so much more demonstrative about it because there is no... No one will sit here and go, well, he's the most well-rounded player because we don't care about that. We care about who's the best scorer. We care about who's the best defender. Shooting is a real thing, but well-rounded, we we talk about it. We give it credit, but it doesn't it doesn't carry the same cachet. It's like winning, shout out Damian Warner. It's like winning the decathlon versus winning the 100-meter yeah, dash. Yeah. One of these is sexier than the other. So oh, I'm happy you brought it up. The only thing is that's for you and I to discuss and debate and we we can still because here's the thing lebron when we talk about him it's either one two possibly three four if you're getting real like if people are getting in the weeds and really want to throw random names and knock them down a peg but he's right there Mm -hmm. so that's for that should be for everybody else to discuss and debate and that's that's where basketball unlike other sports all these guys are just me 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 can you not just be like hey i've let my resume speak for itself, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna say all the right things, and I'm gonna go out perform, and then when I'm done, you can debate all you want. I don't care. I know I have I'm one of the greatest of all time. You can know that in your heart of hearts, but you don't have to articulate it that way. You don't have to claim that you're better than so and so. There's no need for that. There's absolutely no design, no need for that. Every other sport doesn't do it, but in basketball, for some reason, just like James Harden, oh my God, that was. I have some news on that. We should touch on briefly later on. But my God, like I just, I don't want to hear that. Just be quiet and move on, or be classy with when you have that distinction bestowed upon you. Uh, fan morning show. Gunning and Tom Thibodeau, a.k.a. Daniela, here with you. Uh, Guns and Roses coming to Rogers Center on September 3rd, and we're giving away tickets all week. To enter, all you have to do is tune in to episodes of the Fan Morning Show and text our daily code word to 590-590. Today's code word is my Michelle. Text my Michelle to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. We are giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow. If you don't win with us, make sure to secure your tickets at ticketmaster.ca. Shulman, coming up next, plenty to get into with the Blue Jays, and then Aaron Rose joins us. Get you set for the FIBA World Cup, which starts in a couple of days, and you can watch it on Sportsnet. One hour left, Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet, 590 The Fan.